Listen. You only think you know Cinder Williams, co-host of the PPC radio show and the Melanated Morning Show. You've seen her in films with some of the goats. You may have even heard her sing her way to the top. You don't have to judge the book by its cover. You can get the book and read it cover to cover. I'm talking about Pink Panty Confessions by Cinder Williams, available in paperback and digital format in all good bookstores. I would probably look in Amazon. Pink Panty Confessions, the book. Cinder Williams here, and welcome to Season 2, Episode 27 of the PPC Podcast. I have been really excited about some changes that are afoot. I feel like a leadership role is coming. And on that note, let's get on with it. My father was the eldest of his siblings, as was my mother. So, I was one of the oldest born in my family. I have one cousin who is older than me, and he did not want any responsibilities. So, I kind of was the unofficial leader in my generation. Now, when we grew up and we became adults, the leadership got pushed over to my brother. Well, I believe that happened for a lot of reasons. One of the reasons was I'm an artist first. Business, not so much. My brother is a lawyer. He is very well equipped to lead in this economically driven society. But I also believe it's because we're a patriarchal family. And my family men are the leaders. They make the decisions and they take charge. Do I believe that I could do a better job than my brother? Mm-mm, probably not, but not because I'm a woman. Well, my guest today, British political dynamo, Raya Kane, experienced many hurdles when she decided to lead. I'll let her tell you all about it. Everyone, introducing Raya Kane. Right, Rhea King, welcome to the PPC podcast. So happy to see your beautiful, happy-looking face. Golly. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. Really, really happy to be here. So what time is it where you are and where are you? Um, yeah, so I'm in Bedfordshire and it's 8 p.m. tonight, so in the evening. So mm. not too bad. Yeah. And it's a little bit overcast outside. You see, us Brits love to talk about the weather. And we love to moan about the weather. So whenever you ask where someone is, they'll always give you the commentary of what the weather is like. And it's overcast, but it's really warm. So I'm, like, I'm really hot. So, oh, <laughs> that's my no. thing. 
Well, yeah. Baz, I really appreciate you coming on today. Um, Baz is our connection. Baz had you on his uh, all-star show, and he just absolutely loves you. And he is a friend of www.thegrownfolksradio.com. He comes and hangs out with us. So he's become a part of our family. So when he told me about you, he was like, you got to talk to this lady. She's awesome. <laughs> so I really appreciate you. So, Okay. The same old question I ask everybody right away. Tell us about how you came up. Um, are you from Bedfordshire? Are you were you born somewhere else? Tell us about your childhood. Okay, okay. Um, so yeah, we'll drop dive straight right in. So um, I I was uh, born and raised in uh, a little village called Moulton in Northamptonshire, which is another county sort of next door to where I live now. And um, my dad was uh, he worked at Royal Mail so the National Post Service so he started off as a postman and then became a community manager so doing all of their like corporate social uh, events uh, corporate social responsibility events um, and my mum was a sign writer so she worked in a factory um, spraying all of the signs that you see like at petrol stations or gas stations as you call them um, and then they got divorced when I think I must have been about three, or at least the divorce started when I was three, maybe finished when I was about five. Um, and and it's funny, you know, when you grow up, um, you, you, you're you so used to seeing what you see and, and assuming that's the norm for everybody. So I'd always assume that you have two Christmases, you have two houses, that you spend every other day at a different house. Um, and it's sort of only as you get to like see how other people live, you're like, oh no, families sometimes stay together and have dinner around a table. You know, it's, it's very different. Um, but yeah, so I, so um, yeah, parents divorced at a young age. Um, my dad was also um, what we have. I don't, I don't even have them in, in the US. Uh, but he was a special police constable. So he was a policeman in his spare time, like the voluntary police officers. Um, and um, so he used to do that quite a lot. And I was very like proud of my dad for volunteering as a police officer and um, yeah so then I um, grew up there got very involved in music so I used to play the violin um, avidly and sing a lot um, and I joined the county orchestra so I was lucky enough to audition and get in there and then I went off to university and or college as you guys would say uh, I studied social policy there which is basically understanding how laws and government policies are created, how they're researched and how you can actually influence social behaviour and influence the world by the decisions that you make. And I absolutely loved it. Um, and when I was there, I started becoming politically active and I um, discovered that uh, actually there were, there were many things in the world I wanted to change. So um, someone sort of tapped me on the shoulder and was like, oh, have you ever thought about joining a political party or ever standing in an election? And I was like, I hadn't, but then I decided to. And so I became president of my student um, halls of residence and then president of all of those halls and then became president of the student union, which was like the whole organization and really got to sort of find my voice um, politically, which was really good. Um, then um, my mum, unfortunately, was quite critically ill um, in my final year at university. She pulled through, but it was a bit touch and go. Uh, it was at a time where there was a superbug going around that, meant that um, uh, it basically you wouldn't respond very well to um, antibiotics and, and treatment so uh, it was a bit touch and go we thought we, thought we might lose her um, but thankfully she wasn't I, I came home to care for her for a bit um, finished off my studies got a job in my hometown 
um, stumbled across this wonderful organization where I, I met a fantastic mentor, this guy who was a real champion for women and really encouraged me and gave me confidence to pursue my political dreams and also to pursue my um, career in law because I really wanted to be involved in law and I, I think I was partly inspired by my dad. I always thought, I thought I'd maybe become a police officer um, or I would perhaps become a lawyer so I could then you know, use my voice and my knowledge to help stand up for other people. Um, so no, I chose the latter and um, yeah, I went and um, studied part-time, so I went back to college um, and thankfully mum got better and uh, I then stood for the election, in the general election, so I stood to be um, a member of parliament. Sadly didn't win that one, but it was worth a try um, and, and I will keep trying in future. Um, but yeah, so I stood for election um, and then um, met my boyfriend, so who I currently live with now, and as is the way, you meet a boy, you fall in love, and all of your plans change. Um, so we ended up, <laughs> you know how it is. Um, so we ended up buying a house in Bedfordshire, which was sort of in between London, where he lived and worked, and near Milton Keynes, where I, where I live and work, or where I was working. Um, and uh, and I thought I'll just pause the election stuff for a while, focus on my career, finish my legal studies, qualify as a lawyer, and then I'll get back in the race and do do the politics stuff. Um, and all of the music stuff that I used to do has really sort of been pushed to one side and it's now just a hobby. So, and that's about it. That's me and my childhood in a nutshell, up right up to present day. So your, um, your parents, you said you were, you were back and forth between them every day. That's how they did it. Yeah. Yeah. Which in hindsight, I wish someone told them that that's probably not the best way to do it. So it'd be sort of Monday nights at dad's, Tuesday nights at mum's, Wednesday nights at dad's, so, oh, and wow. so on. And then every other weekend we'd swap. And I just I used to go to school all the time with the plastic grocery bag with mm. just my clothes in it because I'd be swapping over to the different parent. Um, and of course, I'd always have like your PE kit, my violin, because I'd be carrying that around. And I just always felt like this little bag lady, like this humped little child, I'd try to carry all this stuff. Um, yeah, but you know, I. I think divorce is really hard on a lot of people, um, but what was really clear when I compare my experience to people I know who've gone through that, uh, was that I, I was just incredibly loved and very secure in that sense. Um, you know, there was no, I mean, yeah, there was tough times and stuff, but um, I think, you know, my parents made it incredibly clear that they loved me and my sister. And um, yeah, so it was, uh, it was not too bad in hindsight. Could have been worse. <laughs> So the, your your interest in in having a voice and and helping the people, as you say, um, what did you see around you that made you feel like they needed help? Mm. So I, you know, I can't pin it down to one specific thing, but it was just this constant thing I used to see, where people who had knowledge or had a position of power always used to lord it over other people and there would be people who perhaps weren't as involved or perhaps weren't as knowledgeable about that particular topic would just sort of have to go along with it because these people in power would say that's the way things were going to be done um, and I used to see that a lot growing up in different places and it really frustrated me because I, I really felt like a lot of the people who were saying these things and telling people what they needed to do or what they couldn't do didn't really know what they were doing themselves. They just were really arrogant and really confident. And and I I felt very much in between, like I could understand and see what those people were saying in those positions of power. 
but I could also understand and interpret what people who are perhaps less involved are saying. You're almost like like being an interpreter of different languages, you know, like people are saying one thing that they think, oh, we're really going to help single parents or, or we're really going to help people out of poverty. And you go, oh, right, okay. They say all of that, but then you look at what's happening on the ground and it's completely different because then you speak to the people on the ground living those lives and they're still struggling and you go, well, that doesn't add up. And somehow things get lost in translation. And, and there was just lots of things like that, that I just always remember that sense of, it's almost like um, people were bullies, like people were in a position of power and they would just sort of bully other people. And that really frustrates me. I hate that when people just abuse their position. And every time I've ever been in a position of leadership, whether it was like elected in, in the student union or other places, um, my mission is always you free as much power as possible to everybody else. But when I started at the Guild, um, the way the way the constitution was written basically said that the president had all the power, could make all of these decisions on their own, uh, even had its own little financial pot of money that they could just use for whatever. Um, and I basically changed that all with the team around me. We redid the constitution and just shared out the power so that you couldn't just have it all down to one person, because that's where the corruption happens. You know, people really struggle with power. They get funny egos you know they get a bit full of themselves and they start to use it against other people or you know someone gets elected to a position and they somehow think they are better than everybody else uh, so I'm going on a bit of a rant here but it really winds me up you know when people just sort mm -hmm. of think you've been elected you must therefore somehow be better than everyone else that you were elected to represent you're meant to be representing the people you're meant to be elected by the people for the people you're not meant to forget where you came from and that frustrates me. And it really frustrates me that people get an education. So, you know, every parent, every family wants better for their children, for the next generation. They want it to be easier for them. They want to have better access to education for them. So then those children go and get all of those things. And two things happen. One is they forget how hard it was for the parents before them to struggle to get that for them. And then they somehow seem to think they were entitled to it and they didn't have to work hard for it. Like they just naturally woke up with this privileged education um, and then look down on anybody who hasn't had the same opportunity and it really frustrates me so anyway I've gone on to a rant you've obviously caught me on a funny day um, <laughs> because I'm ranting no, about no. things but um, well, like, like know, I said that, this, this is a conversation you know what I mean because <laughs> and that's why I like I don't, I don't do too much studying because I want the people to say what comes naturally because that to me is yeah. spirit coming out spirit leading you yeah. and people need to yeah. hear so um how was your experience when you were running for parliament first of all before that can you explain because most people that listen to the show are from the from the states what is parliament what would your role or what no let's claim it what will your role be you're <laughs> in one day okay yeah. well um explain that to us because it's a little bit different than how things are here yeah i, I think it's um it's probably like the closest equivalent to having a senator, I think. I don't know your difference between senators or governors, but of course in, in the UK everything is much smaller. So where uh, so a member of parliament is a member of the public who is elected to represent everybody in that town or in that county. And they have um, what they call the constituents, uh, constituency areas. So you might, so generally everyone would represent around about sort of 90,000, maybe 100,000 people. So much smaller than the US. 
But the idea is um, all of those members of parliament, once elected, representing those towns and cities, will all come together and they form the UK parliament. Now, depending on uh, which political party wins the majority, so, you know, as you have like the Republicans or Democrats, we generally have the Conservatives or the Labour Party. Um, depending on who wins that majority, they can then form a government which sits within that parliament. So that would be like you know, this executive committee who will have specific roles and target, and you know, they might have, you know, they have a home secretary, they have a chancellor, so someone who's in charge of the budget, have somebody who's in charge of education and healthcare, um, and they'll go and enact their their policies that they've won on. So very similar to, to you guys, um, but on a smaller scale. And so what I was trying to do was become the elected representative for Kettering so I could become their member of parliament so I could go to parliament and try and win their votes um, that that was the plan and uh, yeah but uh, not this okay. time it wasn't meant to be okay so it wasn't meant to be then so yeah. uh, what what were the issues that you that you dealt with when when trying to run, were you supported completely or or what were your struggles and your challenges that you had to deal with as you ran? You know, yeah, you know, it's, it's interesting, actually. Um, it's one of the standing for parliament or being politically active is sort of one of the most exhilarating and positive experiences you can have. But it's also one of the most crushing and hard experiences you can have, because on the one hand, you join a political party like I did. I joined the Labour Party, which is sort of the equivalent of your um, Democrat. Demo is it called Democrats? Is that what your party? Yeah, Democratic Party. Um, and the suddenly I found myself within a family of people who would give their time, their energy, their, their money even to a campaign that I've never met you before. They've just heard you talk, they've listened to a speech and they've gone, yeah, I'm going to back you. I'm going to spend all my weekends delivering leaflets, knocking on doors. I'm going to share your posts on social media. Uh, I'm going to support you every step of the way. And people who will say, look, I'll pick you up in the car at whatever time in the morning, drive you around to wherever you need to. Like, these people, you don't know them. And suddenly they're, they're your comrades, they're your family. And you think, oh, that's, that's really moving. That people are so passionate about what they believe in. And they are so convinced by what you have to say and where you want to take the country that they will follow you. And you think that's, that's brilliant. And they will also give their time when you ask them, give me your views on something because I don't know what we're doing here. You know, actually, how is the housing market affecting you? What is it like to have children in a local school and, and your school uniform is costing 400 pounds, you know, or like you know, $500 or something, just every term um, to get your kid in school. What does that feel like? Is that really, for, you know, these people would give their time and that, and that was brilliant. But the downside, um, and I think this was, probably particularly being a woman actually um was that there are times it's a bit scary um and there are challenges that people put to you um that they wouldn't typically put to a man so you know i had some experiences where <laughs> just even, even just in selection actually standing next to a potential candidate who is a bloke who's the same age as me similar education levels not local but i'm local and yet there they are saying, I think you're just a bit too young, it's a bit too soon for you, but supporting the other guy or mm. saying, you know, what, I just think you haven't got enough experience. And you go, I've got more experience than the other guy. Um, I, and, and even just the way some people dismiss the things that you say, it, it was a really odd experience because I've generally always had people just understand that I'm competent and that I can 
I, I know my my stuff, you know, and and I work hard and I genuinely care. And so for someone just to look at you and just dismiss you or think that you're not serious, and like there was this one guy, um, I, I can't, well, it's a bit rude, I can't say it, but is it, what what time is your um, podcast set? Oh, it's on Spotify, isn't it? I was going to say, if I, can I say this word, but it's a bit rude, but it's, it's, he, he basically, um, he said I was, um, bleep it out if you want to, but he said, I'm all tits and no teeth, oh. which is quite offensive. So he's basically saying, because I'm quite top heavy, that I'm just all about like the lipstick and the hair and stuff, and I have no bite to me and no backbone, which was ironic because I had just finished unionising my workplace, signing up 100% of people to join the union, and I just um, finished taking the UK government to court and winning uh, with, a, with a settlement we even got to court, uh, representing all of the employees. And, and I'm thinking, what more do you have to do to show that you do have courage, you do have a backbone, and you do have conviction? And this guy was just quite willing to dismiss me because of an appearance and to spread that say that to everybody and you know don't vote for her she's all tits and her teeth um and that really got to me that really bothered me because it just felt like such an injustice i was like criticize me for being rubbish at what i do but don't just make things up and just because i'm a woman um and that that was tough and and people would say things you know, i was i was not as um heavy on my weight as i am now um and i had long blonde hair and, and people would just say some things that um were not welcome just about my appearance and that uh, people only vote for her if they're gonna because they want to sleep with her and stuff like this and you're thinking no people will vote because they actually genuinely care that i can bring about some change in our town you know um and then there's the other side you know not just being belittled or undermined because you're a female who's confident and somehow people feel threatened by that uh, there's the actual safety side you know there's this one guy who kept calling and leaving voicemails who was just he, he obviously had either mental issues or sort of learning difficulties or something um and he kept leaving voice messages asking me to come around to his house to talk about policies and he'd written all these songs and every voice message i'd missed a few calls in a row and every voice message was a new was a new piano song and then another message saying look come over come over um i promise i won't hurt you um i've only got a restraining order against that other lady uh, but I haven't I haven't seen her for a year so I'm safe now I'm not violent and then he'd play another song and another message would come along go please come over look I promise I won't hurt you I'm nice now I'm good and I'm like oh gosh and then and another time I was at this other gentleman's house he was absolutely lovely but um, I brought another campaigner with me and and this guy I just don't think he understood um, social spacing, you know, and actually when, when you're getting in someone's personal space and, you know, sitting quite close, being quite touchy, not in, I don't think he thought he was being sexual, but I, I felt very uncomfortable. Um, and thank God I brought one of my campaign friends with me because I generally don't feel comfortable going into someone's house um, on my own until I know them because you just don't know when you're out there and it, it feels a bit more scary when all you're simply trying to do is, is tell people we can do something different in our town. You know, that's all I'm saying is that vote for me. I can stand up for you in court and in Parliament. I can bring your causes to life, you know, and, and yet people seem to just get obsessed with the fact you're a woman or, or want to intimidate you or scare you. So, so it was an interesting experience, but all around a positive one. So I would do it again. Well, I think that that's probably universal. Uh, 
Uh, maybe not in Amazonia, if there's such a place anymore <laughs> where the Amazon live. But I think that's probably in every industry um, that we are just finding our way back to balance um, when it comes mm. to men and male and female energy. Um, and on that yeah. note, I'm going to wrap this up because we have so much more to talk about, uh, what we've already spoken about, but uh, you're going to come on July 21st onto the PPC radio show. It's Shelly Show, DJ Disco, and um, Jenny Graham and I, and I'm, I can't wait to have you on the panel because we often start with what the podcast had but we go so much deeper and so much further i am very excited to to get your thoughts because you're obviously a brilliant woman who has a lot oh to thank you i have no doubt that you're going to do whatever <laughs> it is that you want to do um because you just do all that right <laughs> thank you that's very kind of you to say Thank you so much, Rhea, for joining us today. And I can't wait to have you on next week. God bless you. And it's a rest, honey. I know it's late. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you so much. Lovely to speak to you. Good night. Bye. I love the strength of men. They are natural born leaders, but women have every instinct to also lead. One of the primary reasons they lead so well is because they listen. My biggest issue with most men is they often think they know everything. No one does. That's why men will often fight for position with loud words and immovable stances. They don't want to be proven wrong. We need in all parts of the world, male and female leaders. It's the natural balance we need, yin and yang, male and female. Only when we recognize and achieve that balance will we find the answers we need. That's it for another PPC podcast. Thank you to Rhea King for blessing us with her strong and beautiful presence. To hear more from her, join us on the PPC radio show Wednesday, July 21st from 2 to 4 Eastern on www.thegrownfolksradio.com. Thank you again to DJ Larry Legend, the King Beats, and Shane Stokes for blessing me with their music. And a shout out to my super producer, DJ Kid Disco, for putting all the pieces together. God bless you all. Until next time, that's a wrap. everyone, this is Cinda Williams coming to you with some exciting news. Every Wednesday, the grownfolksradio.com presents the PPC Radio Show. 
Every Wednesday from 2 to 4 Eastern, Shelly Show Williams and I are co-hosting this Heal Yourself platform. We are talking about improving the mind, body, and soul. DJ Joe Storm will be bringing us uplifting music. CJ Julianis is our financial therapist. We're going to have phenomenal guests and various therapists, life coaches, and spiritual leaders. And DJ Kid Disco is producing it all. All of this to help us on our paths to restoration. So please join us every Wednesday from 2 to 4 Eastern on the PPC Radio Show at www.thegrownfolksradio.com.